nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. I'm your host, Keon Sabani, doing a solo Q&A session live on YouTube. So welcome to everyone who is here live on YouTube with me. Welcome to everyone who is listening to this maybe hours later on the podcast feed or on YouTube. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining. Super impromptu. I was actually... I mean, we're, we're pretty light on content right now. There's not much to talk about. It's a great time of year. There's no international games yet. There's, you know, there's a few games in the Premier League in Serie A, and uh, I'm hoping to watch Brahim Diaz versus Fiorentina starting in about 22 minutes, um, cutting it close. I don't know if I, I've never done a podcast that short before, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, generally speaking, though, in the Real Madrid universe, it's pretty slow. We're reporting on international call-ups, and beyond that, there's not much, much happening. So I thought I would fire this up on YouTube get some content out, interact with you guys a little bit because I, I miss uh, miss you guys. And it's very rare that we kind of take questions and stuff. So apart from the mailbag, uh, which happens on patreon.com slash managingmajid once a week. So I thought I would uh, go through the comments live on YouTube as they, they come in and we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. So let's go through. Uh, I'm just going to go through chronological order and I'll just, whatever catches my eye and I'm, trying not to discriminate although i will say i will try to prioritize questions that we don't normally discuss on a day-to-day basis already so let's start going through them and if i miss them no hard feelings it probably just means uh i I didn't really see it there's already so many comments so somnath1235 says hi keon can asensio act as our backup striker yeah technically speaking he's uh he's built for a false nine role he's a really good finisher He's a good link-up player. And uh, just one second. He is, yeah, I mean, those are the two main things. He's and he's a good ball carrier. He's someone who can drop deep. He can do the link-up stuff that Benzema does. Yeah, in theory, I think, I think he can. Uh, Dark Knight says, tell us about your thoughts on Ronaldo not congratulating Benzema. I mean, how is that a story? I I, I got to love the media sometimes just because it's so amusing that they can come up with a headline where they ask Benzema a question, has Ronaldo congratulated you yet? And he says, no, not yet. And that becomes a big story and we all go crazy over it. Um, are we surprised and should we care? The answer is no and no. <laughs> I'm not surprised and nor do I really care. Um, just Amaridisa says, hey, Keon, should Ramjit go all in on Bellingham? I love Bellingham. I think it's, I've said this many times. I think his profile fits perfectly. A lot of people saying, well, do we need a midfielder? He's not priority. Is he as uh, prioritized as other positions in the team? No, not necessarily. But this idea that like we have so many midfielders and all this, we can't fit him in is, is borderline nonsense to me because Mordic and Cruz are either going to leave at the same time or very close to each other. And it's going to happen relatively soon and when that time comes you want to be set up for the future already Kamavinga is still really raw and young and from uh 
the perspective of replacing Luka Modric, Bellingham covers the, that kind of ground defensively, and he's also a great creator. So I think he fits perfectly in a, in a post-Modric world. So, yeah, I think if you can get him, you try to get him. <clears throat> um, Faze Mohammed says, what about Saka for the right-wing spot? I'm a huge fan. I don't know necessarily if, if Real Madrid would necessarily see him as someone they would break the bank for, given that they have Rodrigo and Fede Valverde there. So there's that to think about. Um, Praveen Kumar says, number of players targeting Vinicius. The lad is going to get injured pretty soon from one of these challenges. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I'm, I've been pretty vocal about this, that the league needs to crack down on these challenges. It's unbelievable. I mean, he had that, you know, sarcastic or half sarcastic, half serious tweet after the Cadiz game that he's still not injured. He made it another day without injury. I think that's a real, that's a really, um, I think there's actually a lot of relief in that tweet when he, when he tweeted that. I mean, it's an amazing that he's gone this far without getting seriously injured. And I'm really worried about it. I mean, a lot of teams can only stop him by being really physically aggressive with him. And that's fine in one sense. But when, there is no accountability for these challenges and the referees like, you know, this has been happening all season, but we'll take the most recent example because it's fresh in our minds against Cadiz when Ivan Alejo had numerous dangerous challenges on him. And this goes back to many games in La Liga this season. And those challenges don't get punished with fouls and yellow cards and, and, and even worse were some of those challenges. I think if you, if you add up the yellow cards, some of these Ivan Alejo should have been sent off. When you're not holding those players accountable, it, it starts to tell the teams in the La Liga, like, oh, we're allowed to basically kick the shit out of him because the referees don't give a fuck. So, excuse my language, this is YouTube Live, whatever. Um, when you, when teams see that and they see that they're allowed to basically do all these things and not being held accountable for their actions, at some point, there's going to be a line that's crossed if it hasn't been crossed already where they actually injure him. And then everyone's going to be like, well, you should have done something sooner. So, yeah, this is, a, this is a huge thing that the league needs to figure out. And I said this many times before. I posted a YouTube short about it. Someone asked me on Instagram, um, are the refs fair to Vinicius? The answer is no. And also, when the league is suffering, the, the, the pr production value is down. Fans are gravitating towards the Premier League for many reasons. La Liga is not as exciting as it was a few years ago. And your star player, one of the star players in the league who is bringing you eyeballs, he is a joy to watch. You're basically letting the entire league just kick the shit out of him and not being, and it's not getting punished for. And I'm not even saying like you make an exception for Vinicius. No, I'm just saying you be normal and do the right thing and protect the players. That's it. It's very simple. Um, all right. Nassim Nawab says, hey, Keon, great job, buddy. Will you be doing podcasts during World Cup on World Cup teams? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you guys a rundown on what we're doing. We're covering every single Real Madrid player who's playing in the World Cup. Um, and so all the staff have their assignments. You know, one, one staff writer is taking Spain. Someone else is taking France. Someone else is taking Croatia, Belgium, etc. We go on a list. We're covering every single Real Madrid player. In written form, we're also doing multiple podcasts during the World Cup per week to discuss everything that's happening so we'll be very very busy we are not taking a break during the world cup at all 
our break is now essentially in the week leading up to the World Cup. We're taking it easy. But during the World Cup, we are all hands on deck. And also, if you guys are listening to this or watching this from Canada, we are doing an in-person podcast in Toronto on the weekend of the World Cup final. So it's going to be either the 15th, 16th, or 17th, or 18th. We're looking at those four days, and we're finalizing the venue date and time. So stay tuned for that. If you're in Toronto, no-brainer, you better come. If you're in, Ontar- if you're in Ontario, no-brainer, you better drive down. If you're in Canada, no-brainer, just fly in. This is your... It's a very rare chance. I won't say it's last chance. We're, we're trying to do Toronto once a year if we can, although no promises. But we're so busy that I just can't guarantee we'll we'll always be doing these podcasts in person. So if you've been wanting to come see us and, you know, Toronto last time we were there was an amazing crowd. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys for a second or third time, some of you, and also meeting some new faces. So make sure to come out in Toronto. Um, so that's what we're doing during the World Cup. Um all right, let's see where we are now. Pravish Jane says, do you think Luis Enrique has a Barcelona bias as the coach of the Spanish national team? <clears throat> I think the interesting thing about Lucho, and I'm not going to necessarily get into the Barca bias or this bias or anti-Madrid or whatever. I, I'll just speak to him about him as like the, the general things he's been doing. The one main criticism I have of Spain, apart from some of the tactical flaws that we've seen in these... Uh, qualifiers and also the UEFA Nations League. He doesn't know his best 11 yet. No one knows his best 11. And there seems to, that also was a problem of continuity and forming rhythm. You're already behind so many national teams who have a nucleus that has been playing together for a long time and they they know each other's runs and passes like the inside of their palm. With Spain, it almost seems like every single game, the 11 is drawn out of a hat. And you really don't know what to expect. And that's the, that's one criticism I have is that when you don't know your best 11 heading into the World Cup, that's a problem. Second thing is when you look at a squad selection beyond whatever teams are coming from, ignore that for a second. The, the other main criticism I have is that there is no real clear definition of what he values. It's clearly not based on playing time. I mean, and this goes back a long time. Remember when he came out in the press conference and basically when he cut Ramos and, and other people that were obviously um, deserving of a call-up, he said, um, look, you need to play if you're being if you're going to be called up. And then he calls up Eric Garcia, who was not playing at all for Manchester City. So that didn't add up. So one is that he playing time does not indicate anything. Current form doesn't play, doesn't, tell us anything because if you look at a lot of the players who were omitted are in much better form than some of the players who are in the squad for example Koke is in the squad over Mikel Merino that doesn't add up uh, you know Eric Garcia over Nacho for example Nacho has been great every time he's played and he has more experience go down the list there's so many great players who missed out in the World Cup so that's that so it's not based on playing time it's not based on form it's certainly not based on experience it's not even based on past form and I think my prediction for this Spain team is that you'll see a lot of, I think, I think you'll see this team play well is my prediction and maybe even surprise some people. And then we might even get the whole, Oh, look, see Lucho knew way more than we did. You should have listened to him. He was right. And ultimately I think they'll probably lose in the world cup. They'll be eliminated and call it a moral victory. And then we'll all ask, wait, moral victory. What, 
why not actually just make this better? Like, there's going to be a lot of questions like, how could have this been better? And those are when the question marks are going to arise. You know, I, I think he may make the Spain team play well. I think he may even surprise some people. But there's always a question of, could this have been better with, with them? And uh, and I think that's when you look at the squad selection and 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 you just kind of like scratch your head. Is Was this really the best team? Um, all right. <clears throat> Uh, Warasul Ahnaf says, Hey, Keon, do you still think we don't need any offensive reinforcements? I mean, I never think I thought we didn't need them. And I don't think my stance has changed. My stance was always the same. It's that if you're going to sign an offensive reinforcement, they better be good enough to justify taking playing time away from Rodrigo. And, and now Fede, as we know, who's, who's lights out on the right wing and attack. And a lot of the names we were linked with were not. Um, and, the there was you know two players that I think really made sense this summer to sign. One was Serge Gnabry, the other one was Eden Dzeko. Um, so I never said we don't need offensive reinforcements, but I I always was vocal that you need to make sure they're the right profile because you either sign someone who's not good enough like Jovic who doesn't play and they just rot on the bench, or you sign someone kind of good but not good enough to justify stalling Rodrigo's development. Or you sign someone good enough to justify that. Like so, the names would have been people like Bernardo Silva, Serge Gnabry, and Jeko. I think would have been a really good signing because he may not demand a huge amount of playing time at, at this age. He may want to just be a part of a championship team. He would have played a lot this season. He's in good form for Inter. So I, it again, it was never that I didn't want offensive reinforcements. It was that you just have to make sure the signing makes sense. Um. All right, Tarek Wallen says, whoa, they just updated. Now I lost everything. Oh, man, there's so many new comments. What the heck? Okay. The other thing with YouTube, as I've noticed, is that the longer you're on, the more the viewership increases and the comments just start flooding in. So you kind of start taking time with the questions at the beginning, and then you realize you start falling way behind. Um, all right, let me let me get back on track here. Tarek Wallen says, do you think we should have stuck with Odegaard instead of getting Kamavinga? I know Kamavinga is young and has enough time, but just want to know your input. Well, the reality with Odegaard was, and I think often we need to remind people of this, is that this was not a matter of Real Madrid wanted to sell Odegaard. They just wanted him to fight for his place in the squad and not come in and just demand certain things when he hasn't proven anything yet at the Real Madrid level. And he decided not to do that. And he himself wanted to leave. And that was his choice. And this has always been something important to Florentino Perez, where he says, look, if you don't want to, if you're not 100% willing to be here, then see you later. We don't care what your name is. You can go and fight somewhere else. You can do that somewhere else. Kamavinga never had that problem. Rodrigo, Vinicius, these guys never made a fuss. They worked their way into the squad. And that was the expectation of Odegaard. He was not buying into that, and he's gone. So it's not really a club decision at that point. Um, all right. Manan Jane says, Hey, Keon, what are your thoughts on Carvajal as a player now? Well, I think he's a player that is a good leader, and regardless of how bad he looks sometimes on the pitch, is someone who puts his entire heart out on the field and is a massive Maradisa and works his tail off. And while the intention is good and the love is there, um, and I think, and let's actually, before I get into any of that, he, 
deserves a lot of respect because in the Champions League knockouts last season, he rose the call after a shaky, I would say, um, you know, the one, the PSG tie, not so great, but you know, there was that game against Chelsea where he had to play center back in extra time. He put every ounce of energy out in the field against Liverpool. He did a great job on, on uh, Luis Diaz and he deserves a lot of respect for that biggest moments of the season. He, he stood up. The reality with him now, too, is that he's physically not the same player he used to be. While he works hard, you can kind of see he's a step slow, um, tracking in transition. He can get muscled off the ball sometimes. And also, he does he's not able to take players on offensively. He can put a great cross in still, but he can't beat a player and then get a great cross in the way he used to, like in 2017. That becomes extra problematic also when you're left back for line many can't attack. So that's the reality of the situation right now. Um, all right. What's up, Patrick with Diafati? Just wanted to give a shout out. Um, Kiko and Fetty says, I have heard you and others on the Managing Major podcast say that Rodrigo has shown that he's not necessarily a long-time solution to replace Benzema. Who do you think suits that profile? Well, uh, the question of who is uh, is a tricky one, obviously, because Benzema is going to be here until 2024. At least, you know, who knows beyond that? I, I, I suppose if he stays beyond 2024, it might be in a more minimal role. Uh, off the bench as a as a sec as a backup, you know. But who that is in two years, I'm not sure. I would love for it to be Holland, but you know, who, I I I have no idea how this is going to play out. But um, I think Rodrigo has shown to be that he is a player who can play that role in emergency situations or here and there. But as the guy to rely on, you know, consistently is going to be tough. He's a great off-ball mover. He's a great finisher. You know, I guess great is relative, but he's a good finisher. And he's a good link-up player. He can he can do all that. But consistently would be tough. So I, I don't think he's like the future number nine. I'll put it that way. <clears throat> Let's see. Ayush Anand says it's Tony Cruz having the best season at Real Madrid. I think this this is arguably his best season ever. Yeah, part of the reason is because he has new wrinkles defensively that he's never had. He's always been good behind the ball as a presser, but has been pretty lazy with his tracking, or just has never has always been jogging in transition. I've, I'm releasing a big Cruz column. I was I'm doing a deep dive, watching some film, posting some clips in the in the article, and also going through a lot of data. Defensively, he's just on another level this season. I mean, he, I think he's he's tied with too many on the team for first place in tackles per game. He was a defensive monster. He put Frankie and Rafi in his pocket, covering for the fullbacks against against Barca. Same thing against Sevilla and so many other games this season. The defensive side of things, I mean, he's he's just giving an extra extra push. And maybe that's because it's his last season. Maybe it's the last dance. I'm not sure. Um, I hope not, but. He, he has been amazing. <clears throat> um, oh, man, it's that thing again where it's just like a flood of new messages. I lost track of where I was. All right. Um, 
Warisul says, how did your fandom begin with Raul? Which moment made you a fan, to be precise? I don't think it was a moment, and I don't think it was only Raul. I was a fan of the team even before I knew who Raul was. So, like, to give you perspective, as I've said many times before, my dad was a, a Real Madrid fan since 1966. And so I was born into a family. And when, you know, I think the first game I watched was the 1998 Champions League final. Uh, it was 97, 98, the, the one in Amsterdam. But it was more of an observer. It was um, not something like I was really young. Like I was like 10 at that time. So I was just kind of watching it in the background with my dad, but I wasn't really into it. But something happened, you know, like over the course of that summer with the World Cup being in 98, and I was like, whoa, World Cup is so cool. And then that's when I started to really care about, about it. And uh, and then once I started watching the games and realized, because Raul was the star then, he really helped kind of suck me into the, the entire fandom. So I don't know if there was a specific moment or anything, but the first flashbulb moments I can remember from Raul are like goals in that Champions League in, I think, 98, 99 range. And that was when Real were actually really bad. We we were eliminated to Dinamo Kiev. That was when Dinamo Kiev had Shevchenko. And I remember Raul scoring this brilliant goal with his right foot in the snow and the ball was orange. So I have flashbulb memories of that, but I don't know if there was one specific moment. Um, okay. Um, Flores... Patin says, why do you think Vinicius still has so much scrutiny on him? Because he proved so many people wrong, like Lucas Navarrete. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I always find it a little bit funny when people scrutinize Vinicius because this is a player who has wildly exceeded expectations so far. He is ahead of schedule, if you ask me. And he's a work in progress, and he's still really young. And he's, he was the best winger in Europe last season. He was absolutely crucial to us winning the double. In his down season, quote-unquote down season this year, he's been still really productive. Has there been some regressions in certain aspects of his game? Sure. Has, has he been absolutely people kicking the shit out of him? Yeah. It's just growing pains. It's very simple. And even the growing pains are not nearly that as bad as you, know, you would think they would be given the the reaction of the fan base. I think expectations of, of people at Ram just have always been very high. Um, but sometimes we forget the human element that these kids aren't robots. You know, growth is not linear and just, just some patience. He's, he's fine. So yeah, I don't really, I don't really resonate with the scrutiny. I, I, I do. I do think it's fair to criticize on certain things, but I think, you know, I think what Carlos doing with him now and the way he's kind of grooming him, I think makes sense. You just kind of let him go through some of these growing pains. You let him make some of these makes. And I always make this point with Vinicius. People tend to f remember the things he, he gets wrong. Like if he tries to dribble past five players, maybe he fails three times, succeeds twice. People seem to remember the, the three failures more than the two great stuff. This all comes with the package. You don't get the game-changing version of Vinicius without some of the mistakes that come with it. Because the moment you try to shut him down, 
you you lose all of it. Let him express himself the way he would. Like he got a lot of criticism for the rainbow flick on social media, which made no sense to me. Let him express himself. Let him be who he is. Over time, he'll just channel that and be a little bit more efficient as he grows older. But I, I do think a lot of the scrutiny is wrong. Um, Kaka says, hello, Kian, love from Nepal. How can I apply to write articles for Managing Madrid or come on your podcast? Well, um, getting on the podcast now is virtually impossible unless you're basically a patron who joins the Zoom calls and you can get your question in and, or you can ask questions or whatever. But um, these are to get into Managing Madrid. My suggestion would be to make sure you have articles written somewhere. And then just send those along. Uh, another great way to start, like, you know, Om Arvin started this way, fan posts. Go write fan posts on Managing Madrid. And uh, you might get noticed if your work is really good. Um, let's see. Oof, Fiorentina game has started. Whatever. <clears throat> Ooh, there's a lot here. Let me see. Uh, Kiko and Fetty says, if you could interview any Madrid player, one from the current squad, two from the 2000 period until now, who would you love to interview? Um, from the current squad, it would be either Chuomeni or Cruz. From the 2000 period, it would be no-brainer, Raul. Provide, like, assuming that I wouldn't just shake out of, and just sweat and just piss my pants being in the presence of him because that literally happened to me once when I, when I met him for the first time. <laughs> uh, he is, like, on a, on a completely different pedestal to me. Uh, Ryan says, is Bellingham a good fit? I already answered it. You can go back and watch it if you join late. Um, let me see. Ayman Ratu says, will Real Madrid ever go for a quote-unquote systems manager or are they always doomed to begin with because there's no time for a process? I don't think, so like that's an interesting question. I mean, this is a, this is a topic that comes up every now and then and it will probably come back at some point once we start, once we start losing. The whole identity thing and systems thing, what, what Real Madrid prioritize more than anything is is winning right systems quote-unquote systems and, and there's always a system it's if, if there's winning there is a system like Ancelotti has a system Zidane had a system and in fact they had multiple systems so this idea that they don't have tactics or systems has always been nonsense but there's like always this the way we that is portrayed in the media is that you know certain managers have quote-unquote more identity or a more sophisticated or complex or more um kind of one-way identity where it's like we play like this ramj has never cared about that all they care about is titles so the answer is systems according a specific system would work provided as the titles come with it so it doesn't matter the problem with like if it, the answer but you answered your question kind of i'm 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 on where you said um there's no time for a process. Are they doomed to begin with? If someone with a, a system comes into place and says, this is my system, 
it's a two, three year project. We're going to go through two, three years of, of no titles, but you know, in by year three, we'll be a well-oiled machine. Ramjo will say, see you later. They won't even entertain the idea. If someone comes in and just starts winning and tries a few different things, Ancelotti last season tried a, a, a very, very aggressive high press at the beginning of the season, scored a bunch of goals, conceded a bunch of goals, and then stopped that, did something completely opposite where he switched to counter-attacking defensive football, even against low-tier teams, and he started winning. That's all that matters to an extent. And I, I think at least, certainly, at least in the context of this Real Madrid, that's what matters most. I mean, we've seen Fabio Capello get fired in the past for playing one brand of football that Real Madrid didn't resonate with, although... You know, I would argue that last Capello season, I mean, he's been fired twice for the, for winning leagues and, and not doing an entertaining way. But I would definitely argue in 2007 when he got fired, actually, I really enjoyed that brand of football because it was quite heroic. Um, but this whole system thing, it's not about systems to me. It's about more about patience. If you win, you can have the whatever system you want in place. If you're not winning, that there's just not going to be much patience there. That's how it works at Real Madrid anyway. <coughs> Faze says really missed the trio of Keon, Omen, Matt in the podcast. Me too, man. It'll it'll come back. Matt is uh raising a newborn along with his wife. So that's prioritized right now. Um and Om is really busy with feminino stuff, but you know, he'll come on. Uh Neelish says, fun question. What is your favorite Twitter account? Um Shea Serrano is one that I really enjoy. I it's funny like I don't I don't check Twitter anymore I don't I don't look on notifications I don't even really do that on any platform I'm, but um, there are basically a few people who I follow on Twitter that will come across my feed and I enjoy their stuff and they're all basically basketball people um, so Shea Serrano if you uh, you if you uh, like I guess some humor in your tweets and someone really successful and inspiring uh, you can go you can go follow him. Um, let me see. Maybe I'll take a couple more. Ahmad Ibrahim says, if Madrid is not going to improve after the second half of the season, we can easily say goodbye to the Champions League and any silver coming away. What's your take? I mean, there's nothing to disagree with there. <laughs> if Real Madrid doesn't improve in the second half of the season, they will say goodbye to the Champions League and any silver coming our way. Yeah, that's a factual statement. Um, Ashutosh Kumar says underdogs for the World Cup. I don't know. It's only someone we don't expect, which I guess is why they're an underdog. Um, but I'll stay close to home and I'll say, look out for Canada. This is a team that cruised through World Cup qualifiers, the first team in history to beat the U.S. and Mexico twice in the CONCACAF qualifiers. Our best player in history, Alfonso Davies, is our Alfredo Di Stefano. He's there. Um, provided everyone stays healthy, we're a team that will play really good counterattacking football. We're, we'll physically bully opponents. We're, uh, we got that dog in us, so look out for that. Um, yeah. Let's wrap it there. We'll wrap with this comment. Madrid Maniac Ankit says, Hey, Keon, love your brother. Wish you all the happiness in the world. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you all. You guys, I mean, this is, honestly, just fired this up on YouTube. Didn't even really make an announcement apart from like 30 minutes before on YouTube. 
on a post, which I don't even know if people see posts and not videos and, and stuff, but um, you guys, you guys, uh, you guys tuned in, a lot of you, and uh, kept growing as it, as it went on. So if you join late, don't worry about it. I'm going to post this whole thing. You can watch it from the beginning. You can also listen to it over on managingmajor.com. Uh, it'll be posted on the website. You can also subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast app. And one more thing, tomorrow over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid, Lucas Navarrete and I are doing the weekly Real Madrid mailbag. We're doing two mailbags next week because we missed last week because I was traveling uh, back from Spain. And uh, yeah, if you want to get your questions into Lucas and I and also access the podcast, go to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Uh, and yeah. Stay tuned for the announcement on the Toronto podcast. And uh, we'll sign off here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Peace and love. Alamari. <laughs>